This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We have seen the rise of the use of marijuana in this country thanks to efforts at the state level to legalize it, either for medicinal purposes or for open use by citizens, depending on the state. And while the income from the industry will soar in 2018, expectations are somewhere around $11 billion with tax revenue of over $1 billion, there is still an economic and policy issue within the industry. That fact is that it is primarily an all-cash system, and it may be leading to issues around tax and legislation. And that leads to issues surrounding this industry and the banking sector. A new report from the Wharton Public Policy Initiative takes a look at the problems. Wharton's Peter Conti Brown, who's an assistant professor of legal studies and business ethics, wrote the brief, and he joins us here to discuss it. Great seeing you. Thanks always, for coming in. Always a pleasure to be here. So give us the, the background on this. What, what, is, what is potentially being missed at this point? So it depends on how one views the future of uh, marijuana-related businesses. If we're seeing them as sort of kind of a, a, a mom-and-pop shop, corner bodega, uh, you know, one-off used car lot sort of system, then there are a lot of reasons to not be worried at all about the failure of marijuana-related businesses to integrate into the financial system. Why is that? Well, because if you're a business owner, you have a single small business, you don't have much, many growth ambitions, a lot of good reasons for you to prefer a cash business. Some of them uh, might be completely consistent with your, your economic model. You don't want to pay for credit cards, right, and credit card exchanges and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and the other uh, others are a little bit more nefarious about tax evasion and that kind of thing, uh, reasons why you'd want to be under the table. But there's also a difference here for marijuana-related businesses that wouldn't obtain for a bodega or uh, you know a, a, a one-off sole proprietorship. And that is that even those institutions, you know, they're doing banking, right? So they're, they're, they have banks, they have checking accounts, and they have sure. their payroll, and they have those kinds of systems in yeah. place. Marijuana-related businesses face a huge obstacle in that banking them, even in that way, even if you are going to do a mostly cash business, is risky because we in the United States are a house divided, right? From the state's perspective, these states where marijuana has been legalized, marijuana is uh, essentially the same as you know chewing gum or candy bars. So not, not exactly. There are some uh, more uh, regulations put in place, but it's just a regulated food or, or consumer good or product. And from the federal government's perspective, this is the same as imported ivory or heroin or any other illegal uh, uh, substance or, or, or good. And so, so long as that difference I- exists, our banking system, which is predominantly, uh, which is dominated by federal regulations, can't allow banks to participate in this right. way, even when the states have legalized it. Part of what you discuss in this brief involves the city of Sacramento. Uh, and I guess failing to, in some cases, properly report the receipts that are, that are coming into some of these locations. Well, so right, that's the tax evasion problem. That's why I say, you know, this this might look like, uh, uh, you know, uh, something that the that the small business owners might cheer, right? Their tax liability is significantly lower than uh, what it would be uh, otherwise if they weren't on an all cash system, right? Um, from a social perspective, of course, uh, uh, you know, under enforcement of, of our tax laws or tax evasion is not as desirable uh, desirable thing. Once we've agreed with about the appropriate level of taxation, we would hope for compliance with it. So the city of Sacramento is seeing exactly this problem, 
right? And this isn't simply the, I keep on referring to these these bodegas or, or small companies that are small uh, 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 businesses uh, that rely predominantly on cash. That's not just the problem. In many cases, these marijuana-related businesses are uh, eager to integrate more fully into a financial system, in part because maintaining cash in this way without an ability to take that cash and put make it a part of the financial system through banking relationships is a, a huge logistical and security risk. And so the cities and states who hope to gain from the tax revenues for legalized marijuana-related businesses are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. But more to the point, these this industry simply won't be able to take root and grow. Uh, uh, no pun intended, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, the lack of banking integration and the instability from a federal perspective on banking policy with respect to marijuana is an obstacle that I think a lot of marijuana enthusiasts aren't uh, haven't taken uh, taken as seriously as they should. So, is this part of the of the development of this new industry? that either was not looked at by the people that are in it or not looked at by the government at the state level when they were starting to to allow these types of industries to come forward and be legal, whether it be on the medicinal side or, or on the, uh, on the uh, open use side? I think that what we're seeing here is this piecemeal uh, incremental approach to legalization uh, that hasn't had you know a grand design or grand master strategy. So uh, to take marijuana from a controlled substance that is illegal to a a fully integrated consumer product, and they they couldn't have it any other way. So this isn't a criticism of those uh, in the legalization movement, because what could they have done? Right? They need to wait until the federal government moved. Uh, at a stroke, because that's what would be needed for right. them to have the the financial integration that they need. No, I think it was a good strategy. If, if your goal is to acclimate society to legal marijuana <clears throat> use, then using these laboratories of democracy, as states are, are famously called in our federalist system, I think is the right strategy. It's just a recognition, though, that unlike other kinds of, of uh, uh, state policies, here, the reach of the federal government is so strong, it's so dominant, yeah. uh, that s- even sympathetic state banking regulators will be preempted, and that's the formal legal term, by the federal government. That was one thing in 2013, 2014, under the Obama administration, when they said, you know, our prosecutorial priorities are going to be different. Right. We're not going to intervene here. We're not going to interfere. Um, I started writing this and had indeed a full draft of it before the Trump administration announced that they were abandoning that previous articulation of, uh, of the Department of Justice's prosecution priorities. And now that abandonment has occurred. So they are on very shaky ground if the banks that would service these marijuana-related businesses are on very shaky ground uh, if they're trying to guess which direction the federal government's yeah, going I was going to ask you, is there is there a hint one way or the other what we are going to see moving forward, because as you said, with the Attorney General Jeff Sessions in office right now, he has made his opinions pretty well known about what he believes is the state or illegal state of, of marijuana use here in the country, in the United States. There's been no mistaking it. I mean, Jeff Sessions has uh, is probably of the, of sitting senators in in 2016. He probably takes the hardest line on marijuana, and so by appointing him to be Attorney General. President Trump, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, I would probably assume the latter, not the former, 
has has reversed federal policy with respect to uh, prosecutorial discretion in marijuana. Is that permanent? Well, we were just seeing headlines yesterday about the relationship between President Trump and Attorney General Sessions. It's fraught. Um, who knows how long the Attorney General will stay in office. Once he leaves, his replacement will have a lot of authority to zag where Jeff Sessions has zigged. But that's just the problem, right? If it's entirely dependent on personnel, who's sitting in that big chair? Right. How can you build a business that you're hoping will extend far beyond when Jeff Sessions or his successor are out of office? Now, for that, we need Congress to act. And I think this is not a controversial position uh, in places like Washington and Colorado where the governors and and uh, and the state banking regulators and other authorities have said, please just give us the space to be our – to take our own policy direction where it will go. Right. They can't do that. Not so long as Congress has said – with respect to federal law, including banking law, uh, dealing marijuana is the same as uh, engaging in trade with North Korea or Iran. So take an example of Colorado, because Colorado obviously is, uh, you know, was right there at the at the outset of this. And the, the stories we have heard out of Colorado uh, have been the unbelievable success that this industry has been on the financial side. Uh, with the with the tax revenue that is coming in to the state of Colorado. That being said, from a government perspective, how are they dealing with the difference between what the state of Colorado believes and, and what the federal government believes? So far, what they're doing is saying, you know, the state has said to small banks, you know, you should can and should do business with these marijuana related businesses. Um, and that's all fine and good. They're dealing; the banks are doing this with trepidation, right? These are state chartered banks, not right. national chartered, nationally chartered. So they're banks. not necessarily linked to the FDIC. Well, they are still linked to the FDIC. They're not linked to the controller of the currency, okay. right. uh, and they're still linked to the Fed because the Fed oversees the payment system. Right. But what the advantage they have going for them is that they are grandfathered in, right? They already were a bank participating in the payment system, right? That's all fine and good, but innovation requires there to be new entrants who can shake up the way the business is done. And Colorado is such a great example of this because there was a credit union put all their ducks in a row. They went transparently to the state of Colorado and said, we are going to be a credit union for marijuana-related businesses. We're going to specialize in this business. We're going to take their businesses their business seriously. We're going to have other depositors and other uh, financial services and products, but that's going to be our focus. And the state of Colorado said, great, many happy returns. Go forth and prosper, mm -hmm. right? And what should have been a, uh, or what is historically has been an extremely routine approval from the Federal Reserve, which says, do, do you have a state charter or a national charter? Then great, here is your master account. And this is uh, your ability to clear checks and mm -hmm. accept credit cards and, and just participate in the payment system. Now, that took eight months for the Fed to finally reach a decision. When they did, they said, no, you can't have this master account. That's a death sentence to a financial institution. So where we are right now is in a space where the state, state of Colorado is saying to these incumbent banks but not new entrants, please service the marijuana-related banks. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, the marijuana-related businesses. But the federal government is saying, you do that. You're engaged in money laundering for an illegal activity. So who do you listen to, mom or dad, right? <laughs> 
And that's the system that we have right now. Normally, it's more harmonious than that. It's okay for states to move in this direction, right. uh, one state moving in this direction, one state moving in that direction, the federal government stepping aside. That's, again, that's how federalism works, and uh, it has been our system uh, for, for many years. But banking has not been a state-based system, uh, arguably, uh, since you know the 1860s. Um, but I think inarguably, everybody agrees that the federal government dominates banking and has done uh, since the early 20th century and, mm -hmm. and without question after World War II. Peter Connie Brown joining us here in studio, Assistant Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics. As we mentioned, he has uh, put together this brief for the uh, Penn Wharton uh, Public Policy Initiative, uh, which you can read on their website. Uh, and it deals with the issues of marijuana uh, use in uh, in states and the sale of it, and as well the uh, the banking industry, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. The other part to this, is seemingly, is that there does not appear to be any way, shape, or form we will see in at least the next three years, 7, 11, maybe beyond that, any kind of unison between the policy at the federal level and the policy at the state level. And as we're seeing, more and more states are saying, we have to do this ourselves because we can't have the expectation that the federal government is going to come on board with this. This is why I love being a political historian and not a political scientist. A political historian looks backward and tries to make sense of things that have already happened. A political <laughs> scientist is trying to look forward and predict the future. I have just absolutely no idea where this is going to go at the congressional level. I could see as early as 2018, this midterm election, more conservative Republicans in places like West Virginia or Ohio or Michigan uh, or, or other places where that are at the political center in the United States say, yeah, the, we're on the losing side of this. I'm going to embrace legalization and yeah. I'm going to do this as a Republican. I'm going to argue that this is going to be the answer to our opioid crisis. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to run on that. I could completely see that we've already seen some people yeah. making noises in exactly that direction. I mean, even yesterday's news about gun control, where Donald Trump sits down and says, all right, well, this is what we're going to do, and uh, just identifies a bunch of things that the NRA uh, would find extremely offensive. Yeah. Um, I would not have predicted that even 24 hours before. So we are in flux on marijuana. Um, there, it seems that if my pr prediction I would make here is that if Republicans, even just a small number of Republicans, don't embrace this, if this remains partisan, then I think the deadlock will remain for the indefinite future. But I think if more Republicans, uh, given the structure of this, uh, you know, more conservatives, I should say, Republicans and those few conservative Democrats come around, then I would think that we would see speed very quickly, not yeah. in federal legalization, but in the abandonment of, uh, uh, of these banking policies such that if it's legal in Colorado, it's fully legal uh, as opposed to what we have right now, which is it's fully illegal in the state yeah. of Colorado. Yep. It's just that the state of Colorado doesn't think so. It's amazing to sit back and, and watch this play out. And, and I guess my next question is, assuming that we keep that division there, which I, I think is a possibility— what does that mean, do you think, for the future of the marijuana industry as a business here in the U.S.? Because obviously there are there's more and more 
uh, entrepreneurship innovation in this sector than there is in any other one right now. I mean, seemingly, I mean, we've done interviews on this show, probably close to a half dozen of them in the last two years with people that are that are trying to innovate and, and be entrepreneurs in this sector right now. Mm -hmm. So in some sense, this is very good for innovators if you have no growth ambitions, right? If you're just like, you know what, I can, I can stay small. I can find the banks who are going to... Uh, with real limits on my growth, you know, under ten thousand yeah. dollar deposits, uh, for example, or uh, are willing to take the risk on complying with the state of Colorado as they don't comply with uh, the federal regulations, and that does favor the scrappy innovator uh, as opposed to the incumbent um, who, you know, if you want to grow and you want to become uh, a real national presence, you're not able to do so. Um, and so in some sense, a lot of people have been very afraid that legalization of marijuana is just going to lead to big marijuana, like big tobacco companies will come and just take sure. over the, the, the system. That's not going to happen so long as it's illegal to bank uh, these uh, these institutions. And these institutions are not all cash, not by a long shot. The bad news is innovation has rarely succeeded in economic history by these scrappy small uh, businesses with no growth ambition. Right, yeah. Right? Growth ambition is at the heart of innovation. Yeah. Right? It's not simply I want to do this so that I can have a living uh, and and not do anything Just have a mom-and-pop store and that's it. Yeah, that's not, it's not, that's not going to happen. And yeah. the, the ambitions of the innovators in marijuana-related businesses are already larger than that. And so given that fundamental reality, this is an obstacle, and they're not getting over it. Uh, and indeed, they, we've seen... A big step backward uh, for them from their perspective in uh, in in Jeff Sessions. Is it to a degree? I guess it's really not off of something you said a second ago because you will have members who of Republican Congress, whether they be senators, representatives, whatever, that that either a support this already or b are thinking about supporting it in the future. So to a degree, while it has partisan ties to it. It's not 100% like we've seen with some things in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. these days. It's not absolutely certain 100% partisan at this point. Not at all. I, it's not. And I think it's slipping as a partisan issue. And here's why. Here's here's my uh, here's my analysis of the political climate and why this might be a good time even in 2018 as opposed to 2020. Uh, all Republicans have acknowledged that uh, the wind is at the back of the Democrats. This is a historical reality. There have only been a few exceptions where midterm elections go in favor of the incumbent. We're in a, even in a, even for that baseline historical reality. Historical reality, uh, things are not great for Republicans given uh, President Trump's. Uh, uh, you know his his negatives are, are 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 pretty high. So the Republicans cannot run on incumbency alone. That's going to be a losing strategy. So what are they going to do? Well, they can attack Democrats, but again, that's hard to do, uh, hard to attack the minority, the levers of governmental power in the hands of the Republicans. So that's not going to work. So they've got to find other issues, right? And I think that marijuana legalization has been, its approval ratings have been creeping upward. Yeah. Uh, and so this might be an attractive uh, uh, wedge issue for some moderate Republicans. <coughs> Excuse me. To say, all right, we're going to run on this, uh, or we're going to run on this platform. So I, I imagine my prediction is that we're going to see, between now and the November uh, 2018 midterm elections, more Republicans, especially in places that are hard hit economically and with the opioid sure. crisis, yeah. say, 
yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm in favor of you, marijuana. You mentioned West Virginia being potentially one of those spots, no. which obviously is it, it's got both factors there. It's been hard hit economically, especially because of the concern or the changes within the coal industry sure. over the last few years, but also because of the fact that it is one of those hotbeds, including Ohio, that have a big problem with the opioid addiction issue right now. Right. And we're still getting a sense of the of the epidemiology of these addictions, but some people have posited, and I think there is even some research supporting this, that where marijuana legalization occurs, we see a drop in opioid addiction. Maybe this is, uh, and again, I, I should be clear, I'm I'm neutral on the question of whether marijuana should be uh, legalized in a given state's jurisdiction. I am skeptical that it should be fully legalized at the federal right. system. But as as you see in my brief, I am a, a big advocate for the federal government to bring to rationalize this system, to right. allow Colorado to go in its direction, to allow Utah, its neighbor, go in a very different direction. That's where federalism is at its best, and it simply can't happen uh, with where we are today. So, yeah, I think that the the place where we're going to see most movement are going to be those states that have, in the last decade, fielded both Republican and Democratic representatives, so West Virginia, Ohio, these are good examples, and that are hard hit economically and that are hard hit by the opioid crisis. I think those are the places we should be watching. Do you think, though, and just thinking about it, because of the fact that that, uh, that we have so much going on in Washington, D.C. right now and so much back and forth with some of the other issues that are that are on the table right now, do you think it can be a significant issue come the midterm elections? Because obviously pretty much anybody who is a congresswoman or congressman right now is so involved with the guns issue in this country right now. We also have DACA that is obviously on the on the thoughts and minds of a lot of people to a degree. Almost this feels like something that would has the potential of kind of getting pushed to the side sure. because of all the other stuff that's out there. I think that's fair. The con- Congress is a reactive institution. Right? The presidency is, uh, an, uh, is a proactive institution f- immediately following a presidential election sure. and then becomes a reactive institution. Sure. Yeah. So in order for this to happen, we'd have to see something like uh, a public policy crisis around marijuana-related businesses. Well, here's the, here's the bad news and the good news, and it's the same news. Those crises will come, right? This house divided can't stand, right? right? There are going to be real issues with uh, marijuana-related businesses being held up at gunpoint because they've got a bad cash management system. Maybe people will be uh, will be hurt or, uh, uh, or, God forbid, killed. I think we can anticipate this. I mean, these are the risks of having a partially legalized uh, business. These yeah. are the risks of the gray market, right, which is what marijuana is in Colorado. It's a gray market. And so when that happens, yeah, you can bet uh, once uh, once this pr- uh, punches through into a national conversation that our legislative policy decisions have created a crisis, then I think we can expect Congress to react because that's what Congress does. To the phones we go. Tony is in North Carolina. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is my fourth time calling. And I tell you guys, I drive a lot and I really appreciate the value you guys give me when I'm driving these long hours. So thank you. Thank you, Tony. My question is, I have a friend that just visited California and is looking to invest in some of the uh, industries that have now been allowed because of the policy changes this year. Uh, I saw an unmet need and I thought about it, but now that you're talking about banking issues, I wanted to ask you a question considering how is it that this can be fixed at the local level, at least now in the short term, to allow these people to capitalize on the advent of the Internet, being able to pay their suppliers 
being able to play uh, people and, and, and take advantage of this now that they're dealing with so much cash. Uh, the cash being king now in, in this situation really makes it a moot point. Having too much cash is the problem. I mean, Tony, that's the, exactly the correct diagnosis. And any challenge I'd offer to any entrepreneur in the space is what do you do with cash? What do you do to bank? And every single business is going to have to confront this. Either you go Walter White Breaking Bad style and you launder it through a car wash and just stock it up, stack it up in, in, <laughs> in, in, uh, in big build chunks, right, in, in some storage unit. Uh, that's the drug dealer model. Or uh, you try to do this, uh, you make it legit. And the state of Colorado is hungry for this. The state of Massachusetts, the, the, the banking uh, regulator there just said, hey, we should have a state bank that does this. But the problem is state bank, uh, private bank, they will all face the same problem. And that is from the federal government's perspective, this is the same thing as trafficking and panda bears, right? It's illegal. And so long as it's illegal, banks, every one of whom has a federal regulator, they're going to be skittish about this. Tony, thanks very much for the call. I, you know, you can, I, you know, as you were saying that, all I, I could remember is the old line of, or the old uh, philosophy of, hey, you know, if you don't trust the banks, put the money in the sofa, or yeah. I should say in the uh, mattress. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about a lot of money to be putting in mattresses these days. It's, it's just not a possibility. So you are right that this is something that has to be addressed somehow, some way in the near future, or the, the impact against the marijuana industry is is going to be significant. Let me, let me take your uh, mind back. I'm, uh, I'm not going to say whether this is hypothetical or, or, or real, but uh, suppose there's a kid in a jurisdiction, he's a high schooler, uh, he's 17, it's kind of a burnout, and he's your dope dealer in a state where marijuana is illegal. Yeah. Right? He deals in all cash, obviously. He doesn't set it up for sure. for uh, uh, credit cards. <laughs> not setting up an app these days. Not setting up an app. And why? Well, because he consumes all the cash that he's given, right? Because he's spending it on stuff. Yeah. You could be a business like that. So there is no reserve. There's no sense of growth. There's no ambition to uh, to take in more than you're spending. And if that's your model, then guess what? The state of Colorado and other, and you know these 21 other states are uh, they, the number keeps growing. They've made it easy for you. You know they're not going to arrest you. I doubt very much that if that's your model, that the feds are going to be coming after you. Although you should be a little bit nervous about that after the Jeff Sessions decision. Yeah. But if you want to be a legitimate business, you want this to be uh, a livelihood. You want to be an op- entrepreneur and an innovator. Then that's not your model. Right, just spending everything you get is not your model. You want to be able to invest, but yeah. you don't want to. You want to be able to invest in the future. And what banks do is facilitate that future investment by letting you put your money in a storage where it will gain even small interest. That is the banking system. Sure, yeah. And the feds are saying, and they're not speaking with clarity about whether you can do this because, from a federal the federal law perspective, that's called money laundering. Right, that's called uh, and it's illegal under many different statutes. For those people that would like to read the work of uh, Peter Conti Brown, you go to the uh, Penn Wharton Public Policy Initiative. It is The website is publicpolicy.wharton.upenn.edu, and it is literally right up on the header of the page right now. It says, The Policy Barriers to Marijuana Banking, Issue Brief, Volume 6, Number 2, by Peter Conti Brown. Good seeing you again, my friend. It's always a pleasure, Dan. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.